What's up, everybody? It's Dan Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. Um, it is the first part of April, and it is still perpetual winter here. Uh, snowed this morning. It's cold. You probably hear the heater running. Yeah. Um, anytime that winter wants to transition into spring or even summer, uh, I would be okay with that. But uh, anyway, I appreciate uh, everyone listening. Uh, Patreon donators and everyone that, uh, you know, social media subscribers, all that stuff uh, is all super helpful. Very grateful. Appreciate you guys very much. Um, you know, I don't charge for this. It is a free podcast. Uh, all I ask is that you tell people and, uh, you know, spread the word that there is an informative and mildly entertaining podcast that's uh, international specific. Um, and if you do want to donate, you can head over to the Patreon page, Binder Boneyard uh, Podcast Patreon, and you know donate a dollar a month or whatever you feel like. Um, the subscription over on uh, Instagram, if you want the, the exclusive Instagram content, is uh, it's three dollars a month. And, um, yeah, you know, every little bit helps. And so I appreciate you guys very much. Um, and just keep cranking these things out. Uh, the, this one is going to be story time. Uh, if you've been following along on the gram, um, I had been working a deal for a while now and I finally acquired a massive parts collection out of Southern California. And it was three semi-truck trailers full of um, dealership parts, takeoffs, uh, and not just IH. There's tons of Ford and Mopar and Chevy NOS parts in the box. This old man had been buying up dealerships and going to auctions and buying leftover stock and whatnot and um you know and, and not just international but all the makes and so unfortunately i had to buy it all he wouldn't just let me high grade the ih parts out of there i had to take it all so um it was a, a serious undertaking we were only able to empty out two of the three trailers um that we that are there so we'll have to go back for the third um but anyway this whole podcast is just going to be about um the process and how it all happened and some of that sort of stuff but uh on a side note um been on a very restrictive diet since the first of february uh josie uh had to go in for just some stomach stuff and whatever. And the doctor put her on a extremely restrictive, no sugar, um, you know, no grains, no carbs, no hardly anything diet, um, to help her start over with her stomach. And I also did the diet just out of support, uh, with her because I know how hard it is 
um, you when you're around people that don't give a crap about what you're going through and then you know so you're trying to be good and it's really hard to be in that environment so I just you know went along with the diet to make it easy so you know and this means like no fruit um, you know the only fruit that was allowed was like berries and even then it was like blueberries and raspberries is it is it and you can only have them in the morning um you know so kind of a imagine you know like if it was the 1800s it's that kind of thing you know not a lot of sugar nothing uh nothing like that so tons of meat um green vegetables no fruit a lot of nuts and seeds but no peanuts or things like that but uh Anyway, I've dropped about 20 pounds now in about five weeks. <laughs> so, um, which has been uh, good and bad. Um, because this thing is, it's a tough diet to be on. And then when you go on the road, it becomes even tougher. Uh, you know, because truck stops and convenience stores and restaurants, you can't go to a restaurant and eat because there's nothing on the menu that, that you can eat. Um, and so this whole clean out coupled with this diet was, was very tough. There were some days where, you know, all I had was eggs and, um, nuts, you know, that was, that was it. So, uh, anyway, um, of the one thing I did, uh, you know, uh, my, my cheat or my guilty pleasure is the monster. I just can't, you know, it's sugar-free monster. So it kind of falls into the thing, but there's chemicals in there that, you know, I shouldn't be having. But, uh, anyway, that was my one thing I couldn't give up was the energy drink. Um, but anyway, Josie's been doing very good. Her stomach is coming around, uh, and all that's clearing up. And so that just added another layer to this whole adventure. That's kind of why I brought it up, just to, you know, set the set the tone. But, uh, you know, I have um, my enclosed trailer is 28 feet. Uh, it's 14,000 pound rated. And, um, and so I knew that I could haul quite a bit of stuff back from this collection. And, you know, the typical collection is these old guys they don't throw anything away and we're all guilty of it. And this guy was no exception. There were some bolt bins, which I'm madly in love with. They're these antique steel bolt bins and they were full of semi truck lug nuts and semi truck wheel studs and semi truck U bolts and just tons and tons of hardware that we can't use and I'm not bringing home. So we ended up hauling in over 5,000 pounds of scrap metal and none of it was bigger than a coffee can. Uh, I, I take it back. There were some power tools that got scrapped. He had barrels of Black & Decker hand drills and um, skill saws and just bullshit crappy tools that you know they don't sell very well online the most of them needed cords or some other repair 
and they just weren't, they weren't worth it. Uh, you know, and that was the thing I had to justify this haul by sorting out what was money makers and what was, you know, that had potential and then what was just garbage. And so we ended up hauling in five, over 5,000 pounds in nuts and bolts, pretty much. Um, and then ended up taking in just under, uh, 2000 pounds of trash, just plain old garbage. Um, you know, empty boxes. Cause as we go through this stuff, cause there was parts and, and stuff in like apple crates and old liquor store boxes and, you know, um, plastic tire chain boxes that were 40 years old and just disintegrated as soon as you touched them. And so there was a fair amount of garbage. So we ended up taking in, you know, just under 2000 pounds worth of trash, uh, that couldn't come home. And even some of the stuff we brought home is going to probably, it's questionable. Um, but you know, it was, I erred on the side of saving it just because, but, uh, yeah, so I knew what we were going to run into in this trip. So when we started prepping for it, um, you know, got the trailer, enclosed trailer cleaned out. Um, you know, it's pretty much ready to go all the time. We grabbed every strap we had. We, f we threw in, you know, dozens and dozens of, of cardboard boxes and plastic totes and things that we have left over here. And, um, because when we go to shows, we, we put a lot of that stuff in those totes and it just makes for easier transporting. But, uh, so we get, you know, got that cleaned out, got the black truck in, uh, for maintenance, uh, did fluid change on the rear end and a filter change on the transmission, added a new transmission cooler since the last one had ruptured during the King of the Hammers trip. Uh, and then also the oil seal leak on the front crank. Um, I had Steve pull the front end off and and redo that seal. While it was apart, we took care of some some hose chafing and rerouted a few things to to make it a little more um, trouble free in the future. Uh, you know, I'm happy with how the truck had done the last year and a half, but there were some things that you know, looking at how it wore. Like the power steering, one of the power steering hoses was resting on the uh, intake boot right at the turbo and or near the turbo. And when we started working on it, you know, you move the hose out of the way and there's a divot worn into the intake boot. And so you knew that it was only a matter of time before that hose was going to wear through and the turbo was just going to start sucking dirty air through that hole. Um, so... You know, we rerouted some lines, replaced some worn parts, uh, and just generally got the black truck ready for the for the trip. Um, the other thing that we did on this haul was I delivered a 54 uh, panel to a, a buyer in Northern California. Um, we had a 54 in the yard, I'm sorry, 53 in the yard that was a parts truck that we just hadn't got to parting out yet. And this guy called and he wanted the whole thing. And so I made him a deal on the whole thing and we delivered it on our way down. Um, 
which was helpful because that was money that went towards the purchase of all the parts. Uh, this was extremely expensive endeavor between um, housing because we had, we rented a house uh, for a whole week. We had two trucks because um, not only did I take the black truck with the enclosed trailer, uh, we also had the Cowboy Dodge with the uh, my flatbed, my 20-foot flatbed um, that was on that because part of this collection was not only the three trailers, there was also a 73-1310 camper special two-wheel drive truck that was part of the deal. So I knew that we were going to put the truck on the flatbed and then fill it with stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, that was just part of the, part of the deal. So after uh, service on the black truck, uh, if you've seen anything on social media, you've probably saw that the, we painted the truck. It's got an orange, orange block now uh, with the Transtar Eagle decal that we put on there. Uh, Transstars were uh, international semi-trucks, and then the Eagle was uh, in the late 70s. They had offered the Broham Eagle package, and this Eagle looked super cool, and so I had a vinyl shop resize it to fit the side of the black truck, and uh, it came out amazing. Everybody likes it. Uh, it gets a lot of attention. I'm, I'm stoked with it. So... Um, I did apply the Eagle and then um, got her out of the shop. The Dodge got full service, um, you know, oil change, trans oil, T-case oil, rear end, full greasing, uh, air filter, uh, fuel filter, what else? Uh, just a general cleanup. It has brand new tires on it. Um, so oh yeah, all new front brakes, rotors, and pads um pack the bearings did all that stuff you know just just prepping for a serious adventure so um dodge was ready to go the i had to put a new tire on the flatbed trailer and it was ready to go so um you know started the drive down josie and i left on saturday because we knew we were going to have to deliver the panel uh stayed in stockton california um I don't recommend, uh, just <laughs> in general, I'm sorry if you live there, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, delivered the panel to Murphy's, California, which is up in the hills on some seriously winding, narrow country roads. Uh, again, not fun to tow on, and uh, it was definitely a workout for the truck getting up there, but uh, made it up there, no problem, and then... Uh, after we delivered that, then made the drive down to Hesperia um, to the rental house. So that uh, was us. And then Steve and Ethan, they left on Sunday morning, bright and early. And they made the drive in one shot from, um, from the shop here in Terrebonne all the way to Hesperia. Uh, what's funny about the Dodge is it gets amazing economy when it's empty, uh, even pulling the trailer, which weighs like 3,500 pounds, there's no wind drag. So, you know, 70 miles an hour is like two grand, I think in that truck. Cause the speedometer doesn't work. Like all Dodges, the speedometer is broken. And 
Steve was able to make it from Central Oregon to Hesperia, which I don't know the full mileage. It's like 1,100 miles or something on three tanks of diesel, uh, like just just under $300 to drive pretty much the whole length of the country, um, which is, you know, pretty funny. Uh, I'm not so lucky because the enclosed trailer is a giant parachute and it's always just under a load. Um, so I averaged, uh, I had to do the drive towing and out of the stuff. I ended up getting five tanks of diesel to go from Terrebonne to Hesperia. But um, yeah, uh, running around empty, the black truck gets pretty nice, pretty good mileage, right around 20, 18, 19, uh, depending on terrain and, and how hard I drive it. But you can always count on the cowboy truck getting consistently like 20 to 22 when it's empty, um, you know, but anyway, so the guys met us down there at the house on Sunday night. Um, you know, I took a risk on the Airbnb because sometimes you just don't know what you're getting. And this kind of, it wasn't the best. The house was kind of dirty, falling apart. Um, you know, over a thousand dollars to stay there for the week. And, you know, it was missing utensils. There was no soap for the dishwasher. There was just, just stuff like that, that you really hope that by renting a house, you would have to not worry about. But yet there I was, you know, hand washing all the dishes because there was no detergent. And I didn't want to go out and buy some and then leave it there because, you know, I'm spiteful like that. But, uh, oh yeah, there was no friggin' spatula. I was trying to make eggs in the dang frying pan and I had no way to turn the eggs and I'm not cool enough to just flip them like with the pan. So I'm trying to flip a stupid egg with like a putty knife and yeah, it was, it was, the breakfast was always irritating, <laughs> but anyway, the house, it was better than a hotel for sure. Um, you know, it was nice having a place to go back to and relax but um yeah so the loadout was was definitely a challenge just all the parts and stuff and it was just so overwhelming you know it's just stuff everywhere and you start going through it and it was like a treasure hunt you know you'd have eight or ten boxes of of point sets from napa and old eklund napa boxes and then there'd be one ih box and you'd open it up and it would be you know, a point set or a brake wheel cylinder rebuild kit, or there was um, some boxes we found of original bearings still in the tins, you know, because I used to do their bearings in these round tins that looked like mint tins or something, you know, shoe polish tins. And, uh, and so it was neat. You'd uncover something and it'd just be like a treasure hunt all the time. Uh, and there wasn't ever just one of something. It was always, you know, multiple batches of of things um, when it came to wearables. You know, there were entire drawers and filing cabinets of nothing but distributor caps. Um, there were drawers and drawers of horn buttons. I bet you there's 150 horn buttons uh, that we pulled out of there. Uh, and ranging from years from, you know, early 50s to... Uh, S series medium duty trucks, just, just horn buttons galore. 
uh, mirrors, hundreds and hundreds of mirrors. Uh, so you're going to start seeing a lot of that stuff filter onto the website um, here real soon. Um, so yeah, keep your eye out for that. Some NOS, some used, um, and yeah, but we just started loading, you know, we put some of the shelving that was in there. Once the shelf got empty, we put into my trailer and we like would lay it down flat on the floor. And then we would fill the spaces with the boxes that we were making of all the fragile parts and, you know, throwing away what was bad and, and the garbage and whatnot. And then, you know, reboxing what was good. Josie was wrapping everything in paper and putting it in boxes and uh and and we would put it in those spaces in the shelf and then we could lay another shelf on top of them and fill it with boxes again and then that was how we were able to pack so much stuff in there and keep it safe um and and kind of segregate things because there were like loose turbos and uh, there's probably 50 carburetors and so stuff like that wasn't going in boxes. Those were just going loose in the trailer. So there's a whole section in one of the shelves of nothing but carburetors. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you know, we had to load really carefully. There were a bunch of toolboxes full of tools. Uh, probably the biggest, one of the biggest wrenches I've ever seen in my life uh, was in there. There was an entire proto tool set that started the biggest size was like four inch and went down to, I think the smallest proto wrench I saw on the set was three quarters. So just massive tools, you know, a lot of big truck stuff, um, probably 50 air brake cylinders. Um, you know, just the, this guy just bought like everything, like trucking companies that went out of business or were going out. He would come in and buy all of their inventory and resell it. And, you know, he wouldn't have had all this stuff if he'd figured out how the Internet worked 20 years ago. But, you know, he was one of these guys that thought the Internet was going to be a fad and only sold in person and, and, you know, never had a website. Nothing like that. Just did everything old school and... And that's how you end up with what you end up. Um, so, yeah, just continued to load. The guys did great sorting stuff out. Um, we found a bunch, like, more tools, old Wilton vices, um, you know, a lot of name brand stuff, uh, some literature that was super cool. I've been sharing on my Instagram stories. Uh, if you if you check those out, it's just kind of neat. Uh, I love that old stuff. Um uh, and so I like to put it out there for everybody to see uh, a lot of uh, international manuals and MT books and XP books. So those will be handy in the shop uh, for sure. Cause man, we're going to have a ton of um, parts that we have to decipher what they are because you've got a part number and the tag is disintegrating and you can't read anything about it other than the number and you need the book to figure out what it goes to. So that's what the XP books are for. You find the number in the XP book, and then the XP book tells you what MT book it's in. So then you go to the MT book, and then you find what page it's on, and then you can go right to the page, and it'll say washer or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. So, um, you yeah, know, it's just such a time-consuming way to do it. 
I wish that, like I said, if I was Oprah rich, I would scan every XP book and put it in a database and then every MT book. And then that way you could digitally search every part and it would be available at your fingertips, essentially, instead of this backwards way of having to reverse engineer the part number. So, um, but yeah, we loaded up, uh, filled the back of the 1310 with all the sheet metal parts because there were fenders and doors, tailgates, and uh, a lot of parts like that. Um, put the 1310 on the flatbed and loaded out what we could. Like I said, we only emptied out two of the three trailers, so we have to go back for the third trailer. But um, we rolled out of there on Friday morning like uh, I say Friday about noon uh, is when we left their house, started our way north. Um, I was heavy, really heavy. And I was having problems with the brakes. The trailer brakes were good. The truck brakes normally were great, um, especially with the Hydra Boost and the one ton stuff. But um, for some reason, I just, I just didn't feel like I had any brakes. And so after about 40 miles, we pulled over and um, I jacked up the rear end of the black truck and spun the wheels and noticed that the rear shoes were way out of adjustment. And, you know, normally they adjust when you either set the parking brake or when you back up, they click into place when they engage. Well, the black truck spends 95% of its time going forwards. So... If you wear off the brakes going forward, then the adjustment doesn't really work when you're going backwards. Um, so I ended up putting about 30 clicks on the adjusters for the rear drums, and that solved my brake problem because, uh, yeah, they just weren't working before. Um, and while we were stopped, Steve was like, hey, we got a nail in this other trailer tire. So while I was working on the brakes, they ended up changing the tire on the flatbed because uh, it had a nail in it. So um, then we hit the road again and just fought stupid California traffic all the way. Um, ended up staying in Redding on uh, Friday night because I didn't want to drive all the way home. I, well, first of all, I couldn't make it all the way home. And second, um, the weather is terrible. The forecast was snow and ice and all that sort of stuff it, from, you know, weed all the way home. And I did not want to make that drive in the dark. Um, so we stayed in, um, stayed in Reading, checked the, everything out. Everything was good. Truck's doing good get uh get going on saturday morning and start making our way and sure enough we get halfway up the mountain up shasta and start snowing and it snowed all the way to weed where i met uh a scout guy dylan um we'll talk about that later or you'll see that on social media but uh dylan met dylan and then continued on from weed to Klamath Falls and, and into Oregon. And it just snowed the whole time and it would stick and then it wouldn't stick. And it was just, you know, 
blowing the trailer around and the truck was already working hard. I was going through diesel like crazy because I was pretty much full throttle all the time. Um, the truck will do 75 loaded. Like that's not a problem. It's just getting going. All the stop and go California traffic was just like, it just would eat the fuel up because I was always on it. And that Allison is great. That Allison shifts good and the converter lockup does what it's supposed to, but it's still, you know, just like constantly eating fuel. Well, we hit the scales outside of Bend just to see because I was curious. And I was right. <laughs> We scaled at 26,350 pounds. And that's about 4,000 pounds more than I should have had. That means that there was 14,000 pounds of stuff in the trailer. Which I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. But there was 14,000 pounds. Steve scaled the Dodge with the pickup and all that. It was like 18000 for the gross on that one. And uh, he was doing fine. He was having to fill up every other fill up uh, for me. Um, which there's two reasons. My tank's only 22 gallons or 23 gallons. And his is 26 gallons. Um, so he had a little bit more range. And he was behind me the whole time. And he was close. There was a lot of times I looked in my mirror and I didn't see him at all. And I thought he would, was gone or, you know, whatever. And then I would see the very tail of his trailer. And so I was cutting the wind for him. And, you know, and he was towing less weight. So, yeah, I think, uh, well, then, and like I said, he's got the manual transmission and, and different gearing. So it's just a little different all around. But, uh I'm not sure how much the cowboy truck would have enjoyed the weight. Um, I mean, it would have pulled it. I'm sure I've pulled that before with other things, but I just know, uh, I just know that it doesn't, you know, when you start adding on the weight like that, it, the mileage does go down. I think he ended up getting around 12, 12 to 13 loaded coming home. And I was around nine to 10, um, just depending on, what was going on but anyway um yeah so that was the trip that was the the adventure we didn't have really any trouble other than the brake adjustment i did blow the heater so the heater fan and the pickup and the black truck let go um and would blow a fuse it was jammed up or something it just failed so we didn't have any heat in the black truck but with the vent open, once you get going, the air just moving through the core on its own would heat the cab, you know, pretty well. I was actually surprised how warm we stayed just going down the road. Uh, that, and it was California, so, you know, the average daytime temperature was 50-something. So it wasn't, it wasn't bad. And even coming through Oregon when it was snowing and 30, the truck was good and warmed up. And, you know, going with the heater, heat blowing the air blowing through the heater, it just, it kept the cab warm. So, you know, it wasn't too bad, but that is something I need to address before, you know, next winter anyways. Uh, as far as the Dodge goes, no problems there. Um, it did fine. I'm waiting for the driver door to fall off on it because it's just, it's just falling apart, but that's what Dodges do. 
they just fall apart. Um, so yeah, so that was the adventure. Uh, it was uh, it was stressful. Um, you know, if, if anybody's curious, uh, it ended up costing twenty grand for all the parts, um, and that included the three semi trailers and the truck and the stuff that was in a shed. Um, so I did have to sell my Metro. I sold the motor home and I sold uh, a scout that I had to pay for this deal. Um, I'm sad the Metro is going away. It's probably the nicest Metro I'll ever have. Um, but this deal was more important in the long run, I think. Um, a little bit less selfish. You know, yeah, I could have kept the Metro and, and whatever, but... Um, you know, through the sale of those things, plus some generous, generous uh, offerings from from several customers who were working on their trucks. So you know, they prepaid for something or whatever. Uh, it it uh, it was all very helpful, and that's how I was able to scrape up the money, like I did, because I don't just have twenty grand laying around. Um, and then I have yet to add up what the fuel costs were. I know the hotel was like a thousand or the room like around a thousand, but I don't know what some of the other expenses are like the food and the travel. But, uh, I do know that on this trip I did lose another three pounds. So, uh, I'm about back down to my fighting weight back when I was doing jujitsu tournaments. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was the trip. I, uh, appreciate you guys for following along. Hopefully you check out the store when we start putting the stuff up and um, find something you want there. But uh, anyways, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Yard.